Mr. Hank, if you want to roll it, I don't think we roll anymore. We just hit buttons, but uh, you get the idea. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, and uh, I've brought my analog Bible. This is my Bible. I want to wave it around, make sure the devil sees it. No, it's not large print, but I've got these. This is my Bible. This has been to Africa with me probably a whole ton of times. It's been all over the place. Um, about half the pages have been taped back in with scotch tape. It's falling apart, but I love it. It's got all my notes and stuff in it, just like I like it. And sometimes there's just nothing like having your paper Bible that you read out of. And so I brought this to read out of this morning. In the book of Revelation, the last chapter in Revelation, chapter 22, what I want to do is I want to read the first five verses, and then I want to skip down to verse 10 and read from 10 to 17. Here we go. And he showed me a pure river. I want you to think about that and just capture that in your mind. He showed me a pure river, a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them the light." And they shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Down to verse 10. And he said to me, Seal not the, see the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him continue to be unjust. He that is filthy, let him continue to be filthy. Him that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And uh, let me go ahead and read the next verse. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life and might enter in through the gates into the city. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I want to call your attention not only to the fact that this opens up in a scene where we're looking at the river, what's called the river of life, the river of God flowing out of the midst of the Father and of Jesus, but I want to particularly call your attention down to verse 10, where he begins to say, let he that is filthy be filthy still. Let he uh, that is evil continue to do evil. And let the righteous still do righteousness, and let the holy still be holy. For I am coming soon, 
and I am bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I take those words very seriously. Now, the church of Jesus Christ was born in the river of God. It began to flow in the earth on the day of Pentecost directly from the Holy Ghost with holy power and perfect purity. And as that river has moved across the world and down through the years, impure streams have fed into it from the world. And yet the stream of God's presence and of God's word also continue to feed into the river that is Christianity. And one day, that river will return to God to become the river in Revelation chapter 22. But before that happens, God is going to purge out every impurity. I want to talk for a minute about the two streams and the rock of division. The Lord showed me this river we call Christianity. In its broadest sense of the word, it includes all the denominations and every professing Christian around the world of every stamp, of every type, of every sort. And I saw this mighty river that has been running through the earth. And I saw a mass begin to rise in the midst of the stream of that river and begin to increase. And as it emerged, it grew until it was like a great island in the midst of that river. And after a while, the waters quit flowing around it and it divided the river into two streams. The one stream continued on, on the right hand, but the other stream was peeled off and ran off to the left. So we have a right stream and we have a left stream. Somebody say praise the Lord. So let me tell you that this river came, as I said, from the presence of God. Hallelujah. It began with the Holy Spirit, but it has been infiltrated and it has been polluted over the past 2,000 years. And how many of you know that God knew exactly what was going to happen? That He's not sitting with His head in his palm going, oh boy, they've really messed this thing up. But God knew the end from the beginning and knew it was going to happen. And God has prepared a time of separation. And so I'm telling you this morning that a time of separation is beginning. And this mass like an island is rising today in Christianity. This emerging obstruction is the lusts, the deceptions, and the lies of the world, like a massive rock rising in the midst of the church. The lusts, deceptions, and lies of the world that capture and divert people's lives from the truth of God's Word, and it's rising in the midst of the church. It is arising to become what I call the great rock of division that will split the river into two streams. And so I've called this message this morning, The Two Streams. And um, 
It's talked about throughout the Bible and it's talked about especially in the New Testament in a number of different contexts. Jesus spoke about it. Paul spoke about it. And I want to grab Paul's reference in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where he talks about the last days, the return of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, and the emergence of Antichrist. These are all very complex subjects and the Bible is very judicious and very careful about the things that it reveals about these things lest we become obsessed with what's going to happen and what's around the corner. God tells us just enough so that we can walk in truth today and be in the will of God today. And the best way that I know to be where you should be a year from now or at the time when the Lord returns is to walk in the truth today. Praise the Lord. And let God take care of where you end up tomorrow. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, at the beginning, as he talks to the Thessalonians who have written to him and they've, they've, they've said, people have been teaching us that the, that the Lord has already returned and we've missed it. And so he's comforting them saying that's nonsense. The Lord hasn't returned. You haven't missed it. He says, let no man, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there first come a falling away. Everyone say falling away. And then he picks up on the idea of the falling away after he has spoken about this falling away and the rising of the Antichrist and, and all of these things that uh, most of us are somewhat familiar with. And he picks that thought up about the falling away and what causes it down in verse 10 when he says, because they, now the word they is not speaking about the world, it's speaking about people in the church. So think of the river, think of this rising rock of the lies, deception, and manipulations of the world rising up that capture people and divert them from the truth of God's word. Keep in mind, this is to believers, this is to people who are considered in the river of Christianity. It says in verse 10 through 12, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. King James says that they may believe a lie in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we see that the dividing takes place among people who are peeled off to that left stream because they just don't love the word. They have lost interest in the word. They have no appetite for the word. Their hunger for the word is being drowned out by the appetite of the trends and philosophies of the world and uh, of the society that they live in. And so that the more they live off of the opinions of people and the emerging philosophies of society, the less they're interested in the word of God. And so the great falling away will divide the river and it will appear to create two conflicting churches, two competing churches, if you will. The stream on the right will eventually and shortly after this takes place rise up into the presence of God and into the river of life that gave it birth. But the stream on the left will be diverted out into the wilderness and evaporate in the dry world. 
listen to that. Those on the left will be diverted out into the world and evaporate into its desert-like environment. The falling away is caused by this, the rising competition between the authority of Scripture and the trends of the world. Now that's nothing new because for 2,000 years, the church has been in conflict between the opinions of the society at the time and its ways and mannerisms and the authority of the Scripture. But the Bible says in these last days, although there have always been falling aways and backslidings and, and defections from the truth and from the, from the Word of God and from, from Christianity, true Christianity, the Scripture says the last days will be marked by what is called a great falling away, a great defection. Now, I can't quantify that. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how great it's going to be. But if the if the Bible says it will be a great falling away and the Bible does, does not hype itself, so you can just about bet that it's going to be of the dimension that you will know it's the great falling away. There will be no mistake about it. It'll be clear that there's been a tremendous defection from the faith. It's caused by one thing a lack of interest in the Bible because people have become subverted by political correctness, by the opinions of the world, by social trends, by the opinions of, of people in universities or people on television or wherever there happen to be centers of influence that, that shape the thoughts of individuals. It'll become difficult to hold on to reality if you don't hold on to the Word of God. And so that's going to be the rock eventually that divides this great river into two streams, the right stream and the left stream. Now the right stream, let's talk about the right stream for a moment because I think you all are right stream people. But uh, glory to God, that's for you to determine. No church can stamp you and say you're a right stream Christian. Uh, in fact, I myself, I'm preaching to myself. I better watch my P's and Q's. I better ride herd over my own life to make sure that God's word is truly my refuge. People like me find it very easy to fall away. You wouldn't know it if I fell away. But I would know it. The angels of heaven would know it. God would know it. Because I could keep on. Because I've learned a lot. I've read a lot. I could just keep on talking the talk. But God knows on the inside when that prayer light goes out. God knows on the inside when I'm no longer turning to the scriptures for answers and getting on my face and seeking God. Or that I am... Or that I'm not just driven to the Bible when I'm in the midst of a crisis, but I'm daily there eating it like it was my bacon and eggs and French toast. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Um, so God knows. God knows. And so it's not going to be immediately detectable. And so each of us have to determine. 
Am I in that right stream going on with the Lord? But the people in the right stream, they're staying with the river because they will experience an increase, not a decrease, an increase in hunger for God's word and God's presence so much so that they'll become addicted to the Bible. They'll become addicted to prayer. They'll become addicted to the presence of God. It'll get to where they can't go to Walmart until they've come from the presence of God. They'll feel, feel weird shopping at Sam's Club or going to work. It'll be like going out in public naked. It'll, you'll feel strange. I believe people that hunger for the Word of God are going to experience increase. They're going to hunger more and more. You see, the way this works is it's not, oh, I'm a mature Christian. I read my Bible, so I'm satisfied. You're never going to get to that level where it's like, okay, I read enough. I, I study enough. I pray enough. I'm good. I'm plateaued. Those that are plateaued are in danger of being pulled off into that left stream. We are those that have not planted ourselves in church, we are running after Jesus. We are following. That word follow means we're always moving. Anyone will tell you who's been involved in warfare and combat, keep moving. Don't stay still. You stay still and it's only a matter of time before you're caught or killed. You keep moving. And the Bible tells us that we are called to move after Jesus, to follow Him Every day, can you say amen? amen? So the Christians in the right stream, I'm talking to you this morning, and I am encouraging you, get into God's Word and, and uh, pray, stir up a hunger. Look for it, because the Lord in the, these last days is going to stir a great hunger, a great hunger. And, and, and uh, people that are hungry for the Word are going to become more hungry for the Word. And you think, oh, well, you know, I, I, I've, I've probably got about 75% of this all figured out. And, you know, you're, God's going to reset the numbers. And you're going to be like, oh, I don't think I know anything. The Lord just opened the door. Bam! I'm in, a, I'm in a whole warehouse of revelation. And I thought I had filled the room God put me in. I didn't know there was another big room. And you're in there echoing and running around like a little kid in a candy shop going, oh, the Lord showed me this and the Lord showed me that. And you're going to be reading Luke after, for the 120th time. Somebody say, praise the Lord. You see, it's not reading stuff you've never read. It's listening to the Holy Spirit when you're reading. Glory to God and letting Him talk to you. So people in the right stream are going to be experiencing fresh strength and new strength and, and fresh comfort and the presence and the Word of God. And uh, they're going to, and at the same time, you are going to become less and less interested in seeing what's going on in the world. You're going to become more interested in seeing what's going on in the kingdom of God and you're going to begin to lose your interest in what's going on in the world. You know, sometimes you've got to turn on entertainment tonight. Oh my God, it's, I don't know what time it comes. I don't watch entertainment tonight, but you know, oh, oh I got to put on entertainment. I got to see what's going on in Hollywood. But listen, trust me, trust me, as you get drawn in to the presence in the word of God, you're going to be like, I really don't care what's going on in Hollywood. It really doesn't matter to me. In fact, I don't know why I was ever interested in what's going on in Hollywood because it has absolutely zero impact on my life. In matter of fact, why am I watching that foolishness? Why am I watching these fools 
who don't know what in the world they're talking about. And when they do know what they're talking about, it's wrong. It's stuff that doesn't matter, and they've got it wrong anyway. So your, your, your need to be distracted and entertained and up-to-date on the world is going to fade. But the Bible says the path of the righteous, hear me, Proverbs says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter unto the coming day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so they're going, the, those in the right stream are going to turn to the Word of God for everything, and they're not going to want to turn away from His presence for anything. Hallelujah. But let me talk about the left stream. The left stream will divert from the river because they're losing their appetite for the Word of God. Their increasing diet on the things of the world is killing their faith. That's what the Scripture says that Paul wrote in Thessalonians 2. Because they received not the love of the truth, God sent them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. There is no middle ground. If you're not eating at the Lord's table, if His word is not truth, then you're living a lie. You might be a good person. You might have the best of intentions, but you cannot protect yourself against delusion, against deception, if you're not interested in the truth of God's word. And so those in that left stream, their increasing diet in the world is killing what little appetite for the word they have left. And you can see it emerging and happening in some churches. There, there are some churches that have literally, they've come out of the closet with the fact that they no longer consider the Bible the inerrant word of God. They no longer consider the scripture as the authority for the life of believers. the believer. Instead, they have become elevated and they are illuminated with other lights and the opinions and, and uh, ideologies of others are now enlightening them and so that the Bible has become passé. The word of God has become so. And they look down their nose at people that walk around with their Bible. They think, ooh, they're ashamed that they used to be in the stream. They're ashamed that they were in the river at one time. They're ashamed of the positions that the scripture takes. Are you listening to me? They don't, they don't have the courage to speak up in public and say, this is what the word of God says. They've traded in their backbone for a wishbone. They wish everybody would like them. They wish everybody would see how with it they were, how up on, uh, on, uh, on the uh, trending ideas of the day that they are. And they don't realize it, but they've hit that rock of lies, delusions, and deceptions. And they, because of their lack of faithfulness to the word, they have been diverted off into that left stream. Somebody say amen. amen. But the world's going to love them. The world is going to love them. Churches that have diverted off, the world will embrace them. They're exactly what the world wants. Amen. They're, they are the kind of Christianity that the world's been hoping for. Those in the left stream, when the Bible says they're falling away from the faith, that doesn't mean they've fallen away from church. As a matter of fact, they, are being, they, they think they're having a revival. 
Their embrace of their newfound freedom from the Bible is like a religious epiphany to them. You know, it's not hard. You can go and Google these things, and, they're, and people are proud. And they are out there, churches and ministries and Christians that are celebrating. And I mean the colors and the music and the celebration is, is incredible. It's like a Holy Ghost revival without the Holy Ghost. It's like a Holy Ghost revival without the Bible. And you watch it at first, and, I, and I've watched some of it, and I've listened to it over the years, and I think, well, look at this, you know, the people celebrating and dancing and streamers and guitar strumming, and there's preacher or somebody in a robe and people laying on hands and everything. You think this is real, but you keep watching, and all of a sudden you realize there's no scripture. And all of a sudden you start listening to what they're saying, and you're listening to the gospel of political correctness. You're listening to the gospel of the social trends of the day. And you're realizing that the celebration is about celebrating humanism and not celebrating Jesus who died for, well, we can't even talk about it because there is no such thing as sin. We're freed from the idea of sin. We've been set free from the idea that Jesus had to die because there was really nothing to die for. He just simply came to elevate us. Now, I think you have to ask yourself, how could such a tremendous falling away take place? I mean, when you think about the great falling away and the information that we have today and the scriptures and the, and the, the growth of the church over the centuries, it's amazing how s such a dynamic falling away and apostasy could occur in a really short amount of time. But if you go back and look at what I read in 2 Thessalonians, where he says, let no man deceive you by any means. The, 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 um, the Lord will not return until there's a first a falling away. It talks about the Antichrist. I didn't read this verse, but it's just before the one in verse 10. And it says, the coming of the lawless one, of the Antichrist, is by the activity of Satan with all power, it's not word power, with all false signs, and wonders, and with all wicked deception in those who perish because they receive not the love of the truth. You see, you set yourself up to be deluded when you lose your interest in the Word of God. Watch yourself. I'm watching myself. Amen. Have I lost my interest in them? Am I bored? When it comes time to read the Scriptures, am I finding other things to do? Can I, do I find it easy to not be interested in hearing the Lord, getting my Bible in my lap and praying and saying, Lord, speak to me. I, I need to hear from you. Um, do I feel as though I'm just fulfilling some religious obligation? There's not really a genuine love or pursuit going on in my heart. If those things are happening, know that you've bumped up against that ugly rock that's in the middle of the river and the flow is at your back and you're trying to decide, am I going to go to the right and up into the river of God, or am I going to be peeled off? And uh, that's a decision each of us have to make. But, but the question that I want to answer is, how does a thing like this happen? The Bible says, well, it's obvious, this is the working of Satan. But notice he says, let no man deceive you. I think when we talk about the devil and the Antichrist in the last days, we have so... I don't want to trivialize the supernatural element of the last days by, by saying it's cartoonish, but I have to say, I think we have underestimated the power of technology 
and how our society has bloomed and set itself up like a golf ball on a tee, um, prepared to be launched out into deception simply because of what we have given ourselves access to, and I'll explain what I mean in them. And I'll do it right now, might as well. The digital age. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about digital age? How many of you remember when you didn't own a computer? How many of you remember when you didn't own a cell phone? When if you were out in public, you had to find a phone booth and pull over if you wanted to call, or you just waited. How many of you remember when if you wanted to talk to someone, you had to go to their house? Or you might call on the phone, but if you didn't get them, you were like, well, okay, let's see. I'll just have to drive over and see them. Life was a little bit slower. It was a little more physical. Things didn't happen quite as fast. We did not have the power to communicate and move like we do at the speed of light today. It's called the digital age. We can have the same level of communication with a friend in Malaysia or Africa or halfway around the world that we're having with our spouse on the other end of the house. We're all, we all have that connectivity. Can you say amen? amen? So the digital age has provided Satan with the ability to package the world in such a sophisticated coordination of pictures and sounds that it rivals anything humanity has ever pictured. Michelangelo or the great thinkers through the centuries never imagined the day that we live in today, never even realized the possibilities could be there. They would have called it witchcraft, but we know it's just simply technology. And we use that technology. I've got myself a nice little Apple iPad right here that I'm, I'm reading off of. So I'm not preaching against technology, but let's open our eyes and understand our world has come up to the edge, the brink of a capability that it never had before. And um, that capability is simply this that those who are losing their appetite for God's Word, they're going to find the audio-visual presentation of sin on their cell phones and computers and devices nearly impossible to resist. Today, the refining of the picture of sin and corruption is so intense and so sophisticated that it is overwhelming. It is no wonder that young people are captured in ideas and notions that they just never question simply because they've been bombarded by them from the minute, and we toss cell phones into the crib. Now, that's, that's the, new, the new babysitter. So that audiovisual presentation of sin in the world has put a tremendous tool in the hands of the devil. Within a matter of a few days, the entire world could be captured by sophisticated lies, irresistible temptations, irrefutable lies, and deadly deceptions. Within a few days, with just the right amount of control, we could win millions and millions of souls into that left stream and divert them out into deception. The apparatus, I'm simply saying, is there. 
It's there. And if you read in the book of Revelation, I don't have time to get into it today, about Babylon and the fall of Babylon, then the great whore of Babylon, you'll see that Babylon and the projection of the whore of Babylon, and she, Babylon refers to the world, the secular world, in its power, its commercial power, and its ability to control the flow of humanity outside of the church. It's depicted in bright colors and in tremendous festive surroundings. The world of humanity is being packaged in irresistible music, irresistible colors, irresistible imagery, and we're bombarded by it every day. And so the ability is already here to capture an entire planet, as I said, within a few days. And the left stream, as I said, is not falling away from, from the church. It's falling away from the faith. But meanwhile, in the stream of God, God's people, praise the Lord, are falling in love with the word more and more every day, becoming more and more uh, addicted to the word. Why? Because they see what's going on in the world. Real Christians are becoming less and less convinced that the world is a reliable place to live. Not that we turn our back, not that we withdraw. We live as lights. We are the salt of the earth, the salt of the... But we get our connection to life from the Word of God and from prayer and from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? And I want to say this to you as we draw this message to a close. God's going to bless the lovers of truth by giving them more truth. And those that don't love the truth will be rewarded by taking away what little truth they have. Now let me share with you how Jesus explained that happening in the parable of the sower. You'll remember the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus said, take heed what you listen to. He said the, the sower is sowing the word of God, right? So you want to listen. And he says there were four ways in which the word of God was sown. Some fell out in the wayside, the fowl of the air, the demons gathered it up and they couldn't get saved. Others fell among thorns as it grew up, the cares of the world choked it. Others fell on shallow, rocky ground and so it never went deep in their heart. It was burned up the, the moment trials came. But the fourth illustration of the sowing of the word into the heart was it fell on good ground that heart was open and they received it with love and appreciation and they bring forth 30 40 60 100 fold fruit praise the lord and so jesus is talking about hearing the word and receiving it with love and 75 percent of the seed sown became wasted because it was not received with love of the truth. And so Jesus wraps up that whole parable by saying, be careful what you listen to. And here's how he said it, out of the English Standard Version. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus would never survive in a culture of political correctness. I like the way, I, I usually don't care for the New Living Translation, but in this instance it kind of brings it out. 
in a nice way. I'll read the same verse again. New Living Translation says, Jesus said, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen to the word, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is not an hour to ignore the Word of God. In fact, this is an hour for us to dig in and seek out the Lord with the Bible in our lap and test the things that are going on in our life with the Scriptures. Lord, what does your Word say? And do what the Word says. Ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And remember the parable of Jesus. There were ten virgins at the return of Jesus Christ. Five were locked out because when he came, they had no oil in their lamp. And they wanted to get some oil at the last minute from those that had it. And those that had it said, no, we've got this oil because we use it. We have this understanding of the word because we live it. We live off it. Why did the five foolish virgins, and Jesus called them foolish virgins, it wasn't that they were caught off guard at Jesus' return, just happened to not have oil in their lamps. They didn't have oil in their lamps because they never had kept oil in their lamps. They weren't interested in having oil in their lamps. They spent very little time. Their lamps were usually empty as a, as a matter of habit. These were people who were habitually empty. And so I'm warning you today that to be habitually empty and have no oil is not safe. Not because Jesus might come at 7 o'clock tonight and if you don't have oil, but because if you don't have oil, there is coming a great rock in the river of God that's going to divide us into two streams. And you may find yourself flowing, diverted out into left field and drying out in the world the whole time you're deluded and think you're feasting. The left-wing church is celebrating and clicking their heels in merriment, thinking that they're in an oasis when the whole time they're dying in the middle of the desert and the buzzards of God are circling overhead. And so I usually don't share things like this, but I felt like the Lord is saying something about His Word and His presence and making it a priority in our lives. And so if you'll close your Bible and stand with me this morning, I'd like us to act on the promise of God. The promises to those who have, to she who has, to he who has, to those that care about their walk with the Lord and keep themselves filled with the Word and with prayer, more will be given. If, you're, if you need more from God, the answer isn't give up and just go watch TV. If you need more from God, go and dig in and more is coming. Listen, more is coming. More is coming. The Bible promises more is coming. Those that have, hold what you have. Take it to God and say, Lord, increase what I have. More is coming. More is coming. Hallelujah. More is coming. Father God, we come together right now as a body of individuals, but also 
as a singular family of God who fellowship and worship together. Lord, the saying in the world is that familiarity breeds contempt. But we also know that the, that the fellowship, the agape, that binds us together, makes us one, causes us to encourage and admonish one another to, to move out in God and to pursue the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, we want to encourage one another. We want to be an inspiration to one another. We accept the fact that what makes us all one is we are hungry for the Lord. We are thirsty for the Word of God. We assume our fellowship is based on the assumption, not just that Jesus is Lord, but that we are pursuing Him. Our fellowship is based on the assumption that we are eating the Word and we are drinking the presence of the Holy Spirit and we want more. And so, Father, right where we are, we make an altar before our heart and we say, Lord, help me to pursue. Stir me up. Father, if you find me lagging, then deal with me. Just give me a little kick in the seat of my pants. Lord, keep me from being deceived. Don't allow me, Lord, to be deluded by the world. Father God, I may not understand what's going on in the world, and I don't have to, but what I do need to understand is what's going on in the kingdom of God. I need to know, Lord, your face. I need to know what you are doing. I don't have an answer for the economy. I don't have an answer for the moral degradation of our nation. I don't have an answer for the complex problems, Lord, of the international community. But what I do have is I have the knowledge that you love me and that you are drawing me and I need more of you and that you are the one who is the answer for all those things. And so, Lord, I seek you for more wisdom. If you put your hand over your heart and say this with me, Heavenly Father, I stand before you and I stir hunger in my heart for the Word of God. Help me, Lord, to move into that right stream and to pursue the things of God. Lord, in Jesus' name, cut me free from all entanglement. I seek my answers in you, Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Glory to God.